Welcome to the Saving Grace Adventist Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that you will be blessed by the Word of God. There is something very important in the religious life. And that's about the experience of meeting God. Even the great writers of the Bible, when you read about their life, about their ministry to God, you find that there is a special part in their history when they would tell their testimony. They will share how and when they met God. We have read and preached about Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 6. This morning I will read from uh, New King James Version. We heard sermons, we had Bible studies. What else can we learn from this wonderful moment when the man of God went to the sanctuary? This is what I would like to underline. As you read chapter 6 from verse 1 to 8, at one moment, even in this verse here, you, say, you see Isaiah saying, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord. Friends, this can be taken very easily, lightly, but I believe that this is the key point in the whole passage. The revelation of God's character, the revelation of God's glory, and the revelation of God's will to Isaiah changed this man completely and forever. It is this kind of experience we all need, and not only one time. This could be the starting journey, the starting point. But the more moments of this we have with God, the deeper our spirituality, the greater our ministry, and more successful our life, our spiritual life to others. I saw the Lord. This man has been like us, had been like us for many years, uh, a believer, a worshiper of God. But something happened in his life. At one moment, because he was the pastor, he was the prophet, he began to, you know, it, it was true. The people was, were kind of going into apostasy. People were losing their sight of God. People got, you know, involved in, uh, in immorality. And they became, a lot of them became hypocrites. So Isaiah had seen all this. And what did he do? He began to judge them. But somehow Isaiah lost sight of his own needs, of his own spirituality. And when he went at this time to the temple to worship God, he saw the Lord. And when he saw the Lord, he saw himself how he was. 
he saw that he was a man with unclean lips, living in the middle of people who also had unclean lips. In other words, he didn't see himself better than his people. He saw and he felt that the same need he saw his people had, he himself had. And it was, my dear friends, because he saw the Lord. Any human being who will see God by the Bible, by hearing his voice, by a special dream or a special vision, that person will not be very happy about himself or his, herself. Why? Because it's always a contrast. God is holy, I am undone. God is righteous, I am God is perfect, I am imperfect. God is good, I am selfish. The nature we have is different from the nature of God. And it is important for us to have these revelations because then we see how we are about to become. God presents his holiness and also presents his holiness as an example of what we should become. If we don't have these moments, the Christian life becomes a routine. We come to church, we return home, we, uh, we make some little changes here and there. We are a little bit better than other people who are not Christians, but we are not a lot different from them. And if that miracle, that vision, that special moment didn't happen, had not happened in the life of Isaiah, Isaiah would have never become one of the greatest prophets of the Old Testament. When he saw the Lord, let's see the following verses. When he saw the Lord, when he saw the angels over there surrounding the throne of God, he had a little vision of how his ministry should be. The holy angels, they are holy. But even in their holiness, they covered their faces with two wings. They covered their legs with other two wings. And with two wings, they were flying. And with their voices, pure voices, they would exalt the Lord. They'll glorify the Lord. They will praise the Lord. Isn't this... Isn't this the way we should act when we come before God? Isn't this a spirit we all need to receive from the Lord? I read about the holy angels. That they don't have a greater joy than worshiping God. They are the happiest when they worship the king. Second, they are the happiest when they Hear his voice. They like to hear God speaking. It's like when God speaks, they are like the little kids, you know, around their parents when they will tell the best story they know. 
and also they like to execute his commands. They like to act. They are servants of God and they are coming down here to this earth to help you and me finding the Lord, having a revelation of God and finding meaning in this life and preparing for eternity. Now this is the kind of style we should embrace. <laughs> I, I thank God for our church, for this church, for the other church. Even though you see tendencies from the world coming in every churches, we cannot escape that. Still, these two churches have a very powerful uh, dimension of coming before God in a way that is appropriate, you know. But go, go out there in the world and sometimes you may go in different churches where thousands of people are gathering to worship God. And I would like to give you this, uh, this uh, moment to imagine a little bit. Imagine that all those people, especially the ladies, they are given six wings before they come to the worship service. They are given six wings. And you know, who, who would not like to fly? You know, even the old people who like to fly, you know. I mean, <laughs> when I was a kid, you know, I look into these beautiful birds flying. Oh, I would have liked to fly. By the way, two times in my life, I got a dream. And one time, I think I was in a very critical situation. I was here in America. The dream was about me in my country where I was born. And at one moment, I was falling from, from, from the sky, you know, I was falling. I don't know how I get there. And falling to the ground, I said, man, this is the end of my life. But in the dream, I kind of, oh, the Lord is the Lord of impossible. The Lord can help me fly. And just when I was about to crash, I began to fly. But it's a, it was a dream. It was a dream. It was a dream. Now imagine these people. And the way the Lord, uh, you know, embraces somebody or creates somebody is always perfect, always, always beautiful. So these wings, they have a purpose. First of all, they make the person very beautiful. Second, they have a special purpose. When they come to the Lord, who would be happy to have his wings cut off? Or, uh, you know, uh, broken. You see a little bird with a little broken wing? Cannot fly. That's the beginning of death. You go now to these great gatherings, and you see people, especially the ladies, the wings, they need to cover their wings, they are caught. They don't have these wings. The wings, they need to cover their faces, and their tops are gone. They are cut off. They still like to keep two wings to fly. Everybody likes to fly. But to come before the Lord in a way that will be pleasing to him, 
to hide what you should hide, to show respect and reverence, that's gone. That's not present in Christianity today. I'm telling you. I believe at one moment is not only about the, the style we see out there in the world and we are affected by, it's about our morality. And at one moment, I strongly believe a person who comes to God to worship Him and to be a, an agent of blessing to others, but comes in a way that will attract the attention of people to the way they are dressed and the way they behave, that can become sinful. That can become sinful. The line of, of demarcation between the world and the church should be very clear. We should not borrow from the world. We should not allow the world to penetrate our, our style, our behavior, our characters, our religion. We must be different. The holy angels, I don't think they needed to cover their legs. I believe they are perfect like that, and I believe they are, they are accepted by God like that. I don't believe they needed to cover their faces. I mean, the Lord created them like that, but it was, there is something in them which tells them when you come before the Lord, hey, don't show off. Don't become the center. Let God to be in the center. And may everyone around center his attention on God. When Jesus, the blessed Redeemer, came to this world, he didn't take, he didn't dress himself in a way that would attract the attention of people. He would not. And he was a man. He purposefully chose to dress in a way and to behave in a way that he would never become the center of attention because of the way he is dressed or of the way he behaves. He would become the agent of God to a world that is perishing. In other words, Jesus came not to seek his own glory, but to glory of the one who sent him. Brothers and sisters, it is time for us, as we nearing the end of this world, to take it very seriously. Everywhere we are, everywhere we go, we are a child of God. We should never forget. But especially when we come to worship the Lord. Learn from the angels, who holy being, they still behave in a way that shows respect, reverence, and adoration. When Isaiah had the vision of God, of the holy angels, of what happens around the throne of God, Isaiah experienced a new repentance. As Seventh-day Adventists who know so much 
from the word of God. I believe we came into this church by the experience of repentance. But I believe that repentance has also, is like a process. We should keep repenting. We should keep changing. We should keep becoming better and better and better. And this happens only when we have a new revelation of God. So in our personal Bible study, in our worship, in our devotional, I believe we must say, Lord, I'm here to see you. I'm here to hear your voice. I'm here to feel again your presence because I know it is only when I see, when I hear, when I feel something great takes place in my life. That should be. And if is that the case, we will never, never, never get to the point of turning away from God, embracing the things of the world, or not finding our mission on this earth. The verses, the next verses show the repentance of Isaiah. And uh, the transformation that took place in him. Let's go further, like five, six. You see, woe to me. I mean, it was the prophet who said that. You don't necessarily to be out there in the world and do bad things to get to the point to realize that you are undone, that you are uh, unworthy. No. A new revelation of God will produce a new repentance, a new change. Remember the holy Daniel. Practically, if you, if you look through the Bible, you may not find a better character than Daniel. I mean, even the messenger of God, when he came to him, he changed the words he addressed to Daniel. In, in, in my own words, he would say, you are much beloved. You are more than appreciated. You are more than highly esteemed. You are, you are loved above everything you could imagine. But open, turn the Bible uh, when you have time to Daniel chapter 10. And when Daniel saw the man dressed in white coming to him, what happened with Daniel? He trembled and he fell dead. Why? Because God's holiness and man's holiness, they cannot. It's like you are not like the Lord. When the holy man, Job, about God said he is righteous. He fears God. He turns away from, from evil. He is perfect. God himself called Job perfect. But when Job had a new revelation of God's power and God's holiness, Job chapter 42, I believe, verse 5, 6, somewhere over there, he says, my ear heard about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. It is this Pastor Greg should seek every day. It is this you, my brothers and my sisters, should seek every day. Because even the best sermons or the best programs cannot produce this. 
It is that wonderful moment when you kind of feel or hear or, or see. And it's about the way God is. These transformations that take place in our lives are seen by the world. In other words, they don't go unseen. They don't go unseen because they are miracles of God. When Isaiah experienced that, we go back to the verses. When Isaiah experienced that, practically an angel came and, and, and touched his, his life. And Isaiah was changed. Verse uh, 6. He had taken the tongues from the altar. Verse 7. And touched my mouth with it and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your iniquity is taken away and your sins purged. It is, I believe it is always this the case. When you encounter God, God is always pleased to do something like that in your life. He's not the judge you should be afraid of. He's not the, the policeman who you should hide from. He is the father who has what you need. And he's always in the service of forgiving, changing, transforming, restoring, and saving this experience makes one a true ambassador for Christ. Verse 7 and 8. This is exactly what follows. Verses 7 and 8. And, 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 I, and I heard the Lord, the other one. And I heard the, the voice of the, the Lord saying, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? Then I said, here I am, send me. It is this that makes an a, 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 a ordinary Christian an, a great man of God or a great woman of God. It is this. I uh, just uh, heard the, the great preacher telling about uh, uh, a congress that took place in Europe many years ago. He was a, a, a young a seminary student about 19 years old at that time he was about to become pastor and in that B congress he saw a group of Christians from Africa now among them there was a little small group led by a, a, a chief of a, one tribes in, in, uh, in Africa of cannibals so those people, you know, they, they didn't like too much vegetables and fruits. But the gospel reached, reached to them. And the gospel transformed them. So the, the chief was over there representing that tribe that was transformed by the gospel. A powerful man, and they were coming, you know. This, this pastor who tells the story, he said, I was a little bit afraid. You know, like, look from the distance. He would show them the, his mouth and his teeth, you know, how he said, with this, I ate man. 
Now, he tells this story. Some years after they became Christians, an expedition from, from France, French, France uh, uh, went in, in that area. And these people, atheists, you know, they began to mock the, the tribe that became, became Christian. Who, who do you think is God? Did you meet God? Did you hear him? Did you see him? And you believe in the Bible? And they were mocking them and mocking them and mocking them. One day, this chief said, listen, I didn't meet God. And I cannot show you where is God. And even tell you how he is. Whether this book is true or the way you suggest, I'm not very sure. I'm sure of one thing. If there was no for this Bible, and of the God who changed our lives, at this moment, you would be here. Especially after so much mocking. None of you would be alive. But because of the God I believe in, and because of this Bible I believe in, you are alive today. Amen. So that's the kind of testimony people may see in your own lives after you have seen the Lord. You may say like the blind man, because sometimes let's recognize these people are so sophisticated and so well prepared. As another, another story I know, the pastor said, practically, he was prevailing over me with his arguments, you know? Their minds are so well trained that they will, they will turn the problem over and over and make you look like uh, a stupid, you know? So the blind man was also <laughs> approached by this great minds. And who made you see? And who is that person? And do you know that person is a sinful person? And then you know, I said, hey, listen. Whether he's the way you say or not, I don't know. One thing I know. I was blind, and now I see. When you have that kind of experience, who do you think can move you, can shake you? When you can give that kind of testimony, some people might pay attention. And when this man was given the opportunity to know who really was the person who gave him sight, the sight, he said, do you believe in the Son of Man? Who, who, is, who is that person, Lord? He said, the person who talks with you is he. Sure, Lord. And he worshipped the Son of Man. It was a complete experience. It was not only the experience of giving you the sight, making you hear, or healing you, or changing something in your life. It was the experience of transforming that sinful, blind person in one who sees God and worships God and gives the life back to God. It's that kind of experience. As we prepare for evangelism again, 
It might sound so complicated today because the people become more and more secular. By the way, we have a new pastor in South Florida. I met him, I think, one of the tallest men I have ever met in my life. Not only tall, because I have a friend in Chicago who I think is just like him, but he is also wide, you know? <laughs> and and he, I said, how he's coming from London, from England. I said, how is, how is the work over there? It, it was depressing. He said, people are so secular. It's like you cannot, practically you cannot reach out the, 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 the London people, you know? It is those who came from Africa, from Jamaica, from Romania, from other parts of the world, they might respond. Some of them might respond. But many of the people who were born over there, they, are, they, they don't respond. So eventually, this is what the world becomes. How are we going to reach out to others? It is, honestly, it is not by the most sophisticated programs in the world. But it is about, it's, it's by that convictions you have that experience you have had with the Lord that makes you give your testimony to them. And they can see. And you may say, I was blind, but now I see. Come and taste to see how good the Lord is. And friends, the gospel today has the same power like every time in history. When Jesus came, the world was in darkness. But the Son of God lived such a life and gave such a sacrifice that since then, a new, a new people of God has been born. Today is the same. Even the atheists, even the agnostics, even the immoral, they will respond to the gospel. One day, one of the young men in one of our churches came to the pastor when he was about to preach in the evening and said, Pastor, in the last row, there is a tall man with a, with a white pants and blue jacket. Don't, don't look right now. He's an atheist. He's my father. He doesn't have any interest in the church. He doesn't believe in God. And he doesn't regard the Bible as the word of God. He has come for the first time in his life. And it came this way. Today is my birthday. And my father is a rich man. And he came to me in the morning and asked me, what is the gift you like me to give you for this day? And he believed that I was about to ask for a car because I don't have a car. And he was ready to do it. I said, Father, the gift for my birthday is that you come this evening to the church. Now, it was that man of God whom I know also. So he was in the last row over there. And the preacher preached the gospel. 
and told people that you may have everything, but if you don't have God, you'll have an emptiness in you. You'll have something that you'll never be able to satisfy. And he made an appeal at the end. Now, during the presentation, this man didn't look at him. He, he tried to appear like he doesn't pay attention. He's not interested. He looked around. He didn't look at the preacher. When the appeal was made, many people moved by the word of God and by the spirit of the Lord came forward. And the preacher saw this man like, he was anxious. Something was happening in him. But he was an atheist. He didn't believe in the Lord. He didn't like the church. And he didn't believe in the Bible. So after a little bit, the pastor realized that, you know, he should not continue making the appeal and making the appeal. The church was over. He, uh, a colleague of him, took him to the, the hotel by, by car. But very close to the church, like, like across the street, there was a big tree. And while they were passing by the tree, the evangelist saw this tall man alone under the tree. And he said, stop a little bit. And he crossed the street and he went to him. The man was crying. The man was crying. And he said, are you not one of the people who were in the church this evening? He said, yes, yes. Uh, what, what are you doing here? He said, it's like I'm, I feel like I'm crying. But why, why are you crying? He said, Pastor, listen. I don't believe in God. I don't believe in the Bible. I was a very poor man, uh, uh, child. And by the wisdom I have, and by the strength I have, and by the skills I have, I have become a rich person. So practically, I don't need God. You know, but the pastor said, why are you crying in that case? He said, so I, I should not cry. So I, and he was almost, almost screaming, you know. The pastor said, listen, you may have done and accomplished all these things. But you are created by a God who created you in such a way that if you do not have him in your life, you are not complete. You'll never be satisfied. You'll never be fully, fully, fully happy in life unless you give the place the Lord deserves to have in your heart. And the man, the man paid attention. He said, Pastor, I lost the opportunity. When you extended the call, when you made the call, I, I didn't go. You know, Satan is always there to... So, it's too late for you? The pastor said, no, I'm here to give you another opportunity. I'm here to extend a new invitation. Would you respond? And I said, he hugged the pastor. And he said, pastor, please help me to believe. I can't believe. The pastor said, it is not me who needs to answer that. Tell that in prayer to him. And in that night, under that tree, the man prayed the shortest prayer in his life. Say, God, 
Lord Jesus, I want to believe in you, but I can't. Please help me. Time passed by. One year after, the pastor was invited again to that church to preach. The young man who came a year before to ask him to be careful about that tall man, he said, Pastor, I'd like to present my mom. The lady said, Pastor, I wanted to know you, to thank you for the words of wisdom you used when you spoke with my husband. And he was coming from the church. He was already baptized in that church. He came again, gave him a big hug. The pastor said, I, he's like, I blocked. I, I didn't even know what to say or how to react. He was so impressed how the Spirit of God can use the Word of God to change the mind of an atheist. This morning, friends, two things I would like to ask of the Lord with you. First, to make us worthy to see Him, to really see Him. That atheist had less opportunities than we had, we have had in our life. If an atheist can see or hear God, and his life can be transformed. What about you and me who believe in the Lord? Who believe in his goodness? Who believe in his power? Who believe in his grace and his spirit and his kingdom? So this morning, I would like with you to pray the prayer. Lord, maybe our faith is too small. It's too little. We want to believe the way you want us to believe. But it seems like we can't. Give us that faith. Help us believe. And second, as we try to make plans for evangelism, don't take lightly the power of prayer for your beloved ones. Don't overlook Yes, I spoke with him so many times, so many years. Friends, this was an atheist. He came to the church, not like Isaiah. He didn't come to the church to worship God. He came to the church to pay the gift to his son. He didn't like too much that environment. But the word of God penetrated his heart. The Spirit of the Lord convinced his mind. And a secular mind, especially, is very difficult for people who have accomplished by themselves. Believe me. This is why we should never try to do anything by ourselves. Even when we, when we can. Because if we do by ourselves, we kind of begin to believe that we can. And we don't need God. No, Lord, you have given me strength. You have given me wisdom. But I still want to do it with you. And for you. So it's very difficult to convince a person who has accomplished everything in his life that he needs God. So if that person was convinced by the Lord and transformed by the Lord and changed by the Lord and made by the Lord a child of God, your sons, your daughters, your husbands, your wives, your children, your friends, your brothers, your sisters, your neighbors, your colleagues, they can be 
touched by the power of prayer. So this morning we like to pray, Father, give us that faith and work again for your son and pray again for your daughter and cry to the Lord again for your wife and for your husband and for your children. Do it. Do it like Isaiah. Because Isaiah began a ministry for a people who was in apostasy. And he had never forget the moment when he saw the Lord. That was the key in his life. And for more than 60 years, he preached the gospel. He preached the gospel. He preached the gospel, inviting people back to God. And some returned to the Lord. This is what we are called this morning. Those of you who like to specially consecrate to the Lord for this kind of faith, for this kind of experience, and for this kind of, of fruits, as we saw in the presentation, you are invited uh, to come fro, uh, forward. And Sister Lisa would have the prayer of consecration. Dear Heavenly Father, we give thee thanks once again, dear Lord, for another opportunity to bow here in your presence. We know, dear Lord, that we are not worthy. We know that there is nothing in us that is clean. There is nothing in us that is worthy to even bow here before your presence. But we thank you, dear Lord, for your grace. We thank you, dear Lord, for your mercy. We thank you, dear Lord, for your forgiveness time and time again. And so, dear Lord, we bow before thee with adoration and with praise. We come before thee, dear Lord, with humility. And we pray and ask that you may continue to help us to deny self and to renew ourselves daily with you. Lord, we know and see that your coming is near. We know, dear Lord, that time is upon us. And so we pray and ask that you may help, that we may not only try to make it into your heavenly kingdom, that we may not only keep these messages to ourselves, dear Lord, but that we may share them daily with our friends and our families. Lord, as we continue to go throughout the remainder of this day, we pray and ask that you may continue to be with us, continue to help that we may remember that it is your Sabbath day and that we are to keep it holy. Continue to be with us, O Heavenly Father, and please help that when all is said and done, that when you come, that not one person here bowing in your presence will be missing from your heavenly kingdom. We thank you, dear Lord, for your continual goodness time and time again. And we praise thee. We worship thee. It's our prayer. And you know my prayer. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. We are always encouraged to know how God is working through this ministry to touch lives. If you have a story to share of how God is working in your life, please let us know by sending an email at podcast at savinggracesda.org. As the Holy Spirit impresses you, you may also support this ministry financially by visiting SavingGraceSDA.org.